Kia ora koutou. Good morning. Um, man, God is good, eh? He really is. Thank you so much for the, the worship and just the, the peacefulness. That, 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 uh, and thank you, Lord, for bringing your peace in that time. So what I want to talk about today is prayer, but in particular, missional prayer and, and, and praying for our city and for our country. I think uh, for some time now, it's really been on my heart that the, the world out there is filled with people who are desperate, anxious, broken, who are longing for real hope, transcendent hope, hope that doesn't fail, hope that doesn't, uh, you know, that, that isn't rested in things, in the things of the world that fail, like governments or friends or work. And we have that hope. We are Jesus' hope bearers. And his mission in this world is to take that hope and share it and give it away. And to expand his kingdom of hope. And so it, it's just it's been rolling around in my head for a long time now about basically how do we get more missional? How do we get out and carry this hope out into the world? And the place to start is prayer. So I want to read to you very quickly from Revelation. So in the book of Revelation, there are seven letters to seven churches. And I've been going through a commentary. Well, I was started going through a commentary on Revelation and then Natalia stole it. So she's going through it at the moment. But, but I read the first part. So, and in the in the letters to the churches, there are all these very specific things that uh, the writer John says. And when you look at the history of those cities, you can see that he's speaking to the he's the the, the things the natural things in the city are then providing spiritual insight into what. Uh, the church in the city needs to do. So if we look at the church, so to the church in Laodicea, so this is 3, uh, 14. I'm not going to read all of it. I'm just going to start with it. So these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness of the, uh, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds. You're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. I think the actual Greek word is vomit. Um, you say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. You do not realize you're wretched, poor, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me refi gold refined in the fire so that you become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness. So Laodicea was uh, in this valley. Uh, it was near Colossae where we've got the letter to the Colossians and, and uh, the letter to the Philippians is to another city that's nearby. 
And there are a few things that really characterised Laodicea. One was that it was a place of healing, a sort of doctors, you know, the, the medical city. And in particular, they had a, a particular ointment that you could put on your eyes, supposedly to heal your eyes. They also had bred these sheep that had black wool that was very fine, and so they had lots of clothes that were made that were black because it was the fashion of the time. And interestingly, it sat on the plains, and the one thing it didn't have was a very rich city but it, because it was on trade routes, but it didn't have good water. And so there was a city uh, to the north called Hierapolis, which was up on a cliff, and there were these hot springs that bubbled up out of the water there. Apparently they still um, bubble up there. And there was an aqueduct that brought the water from those hot springs down to the city, but they were filled with minerals, right? And, and so if you drank the water, it would make you sick. And then there was Colossae, which was nearby as well, about 11 miles away. And it had uh, wonderful spring or mountain alpine water that had run off out in the mountains. And that used to come down the aqueduct to Laodicea as well. And by the time the hot water from Heropolis had come to Laodicea, it was tepid. It was lukewarm. And by the time the cold water had come from Colossae, it was lukewarm. And so... John is using these things, these features of the city, the, the water, to speak to the spiritual state of the church in the city. And he's using the, the, the that it's known for this medical thing, for this um, ointment that you put on your eyes and, he's, and, and for the wool. And then he's speaking, using these things and talking about the city, the church in the city being lukewarm, talking about the church in the, in the city needing to repent and seek gold refined in fire, not worldly gold, and, to, and clothes of white, which represent righteousness. So I use that as an example, and the rest of the letters to the particular churches in Revelation all have the same thing. They all speak to the current state or the history of the city and use those things as a way to then speak to the spiritual. And so for me, there's a pattern in here that I think we can, we can take advantage of. And so when I think about praying for the city, I'm thinking, what does it look like? What is our city known for? What are the things in the natural that might give us insight into the supernatural and to what the church in the city needs to do? Because at the end of the day, we carry this message of hope. God wants that message of hope. He wants us to be light bearers in the world. He wants us to be hope bearers. So when I think about Wellington, so I've been praying for Wellington off and on for a long time. So we've been working to set up a school in Wellington that, that has involved a lot of prayer, as well as praying for the church in Wellington and, and for Capital Vineyard in particular. And there's a couple of things, both about one about New Zealand that really strikes me, that's, that's been really... Um, I guess really evident to me in, uh, in the last little while. So New Zealand was once known as a nation that had the high, sent the highest number of missionaries per capita. So not necessarily the most in number, but in terms of the number of people, we sent lots of missionaries. And we were, missionaries came really early to New Zealand and they came with a different spirit. Uh, there's a whole lot of history behind this, right, with the, the Clapham sect in, in the UK and that, but the missionaries came here with a, with a not to, 
colonise in the same way that they had gone to other countries. They came to share faith and share the good news, but actually to, to work out how to contextualise that and help people contextualise that for where they were. And so they uh, developed or, or worked with Māori to create the written language, which then they used to translate the Bible. So there's this strong missional heritage in our country. And I think about the word, right, where it says that, the, that uh, in, in Acts, that it will go from Jerusalem to Samaria to the ends of the earth. We're pretty much the ends of the earth. You know, the word has come here. And, and you know, joining up things that may not, may, maybe shouldn't be joined up, but then you talk, there's the, the, the scripture about God, the bread being cast on the waters and, and it coming back fruitful. And to me, there's just this, this, there's this opportunity and this invitation in front of the church in New Zealand and in front of us as Capital Vineyard to go, how do we get more missional? How do we get out to our country and to the countries? And so the word can go back. And then when I think about Wellington, wow. I mean, I've, I've lived in Wellington almost my whole life. I consider it home. Uh, in 2016, I think it was, I was traveling to Australia every week for work, which wasn't uh, an ideal way to live. Um, but I remember flying in every Friday. And as the plane was coming in, sometimes in howling gales and it's going like this, all I felt was relief. I was home. And a big part of that was home to family. But also, this is the, the landscape of my soul, in a sense. I, I walk around this city, and it just feels like home. And there's so much that it has to offer, and so many things about it. When I was thinking and praying about this, and, and, and praying for the city, there are a few things that stand out that make Wellington unique. Obviously, one is it's where the government is. Uh, and so that both gives us a unique opportunity to pray for our leaders, pray in parliament grounds, pray for the governance of this country. Because uh, in 1 Timothy 2, 1, uh, Paul says to pray for everyone, including the kings, including the rulers, that we may, that we may get to live a peaceful life. And so... But also, because the government is here, and we're experiencing this now, it's also the place of protest. And it's the, you know, the history of Wellington is a, has this history of protest. There, there have been so many marches for all sorts of things throughout the years where people have come and taken their grievances and, and laid them at the doorstep of Parliament. And that too is something that is, is a part of built into the nature of our city. And then uh, I think one of the other things that I think about Wellington, there's two really. One is it's this place of arts. It's a city of the arts, right? We have, we've had a long, strong tradition of performing arts and the theatre and the performing arts school and the, and the, the Royal New Zealand Ballet is here, the opera, the, the, opera, the, the symphony, um, the drama school, I've got wetter studios uh, out in Miramar, and we have sort of the artsy district, 
right up Cuba Street, that sort of bohemian, slightly bohemian sort of kind of place. And all of this, this speaks to something about the nature of the city. But also I see that it's a place where there are entrepreneurs, there are innovators, there are people who, who come up with new ideas in business uh, or in social, you know, um, social business or sort of non-government organisations, charities, that kind of thing. And all of these things, I think, are things that we can pray into and ask God what he wants to do. What he's doing in this city. Where are the things for the church here? I know of uh, another church that has a, a fund set up that they use to invest in Christian social businesses. So they, it's essentially, a, a, for want of a better word, a, a, a small Christian venture capital fund. So that's one of the, they, they're taking that and they're going, okay, how do we use what we've been blessed with to bless others and to further the kingdom? So there's lots of opportunity. There's lots of opportunity. And I think the thing for us, I think the, the invitation before Capital Vineyard is to become and to be more missional in our city. And the place that starts is in prayer, as I said. So we can pray for Wellington. We can pray for what's going on right now. We can pray for what's gone in the past. And there, there, and you know, God has a plan for this place, for each of us, for this church, for the church in Wellington, and for the city of Wellington. I, I, I can almost see this, this city of light and light going out to the world from it. And we have a part, a part to play in that plan. So, and I think that part of the reason the place to start is prayer, because what does prayer do? Prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes us. And I think Capital Vineyard, the Vineyard Church as a whole, and Capital Vineyard in particular, has a really strong basis for prayer. We are really good at praying for each other. We are really good at uh, that intercessory prayer for people, for uh, equipping the saints to pray for each other, to pray for healing, to pray for words of knowledge, all of this. We have a strong, rich tradition in that kind of prayer. So really all I'm asking is that we start doing that and looking out and praying for, for the city, for the people, for the people that we... So, both for the city as a whole, but also for the people that we know that don't know Jesus. I don't know how much you live inside a Christian bubble in terms of the only people you know being Christian, but I guarantee you, you come, in, come into contact with people who are not Christian and who are in desperate need of the hope of the gospel. I mean, I've got lots of people that I know like that in my life, but, you know, even, even if it's not close friends or family, it's the people you encounter every day in, in, as you go about your life. People need hope. You know, at the end of the day, regardless of what you think about what's going on with the protest and all that kind of stuff, 
taking your, your, your grievances, your pain, your brokenness, your uh, anger, and laying it at the foot of a government, the, the government can't solve the problem. I mean, they can do some things, right? They can make some changes, they can pass some laws. But the only true government is the kingdom of God. And the only true hope is in the kingdom of God. So, let's get practical. Praying for the city, what can we pray for? So when I think about Wellington, uh, we can pray for the leaders of our city, for wisdom for them, for peace. That they, uh, as, as it says in Timothy, that they are, we, we can pray for them that they may govern in a way that allows us to live peacefully. We can and should pray for the poor and disenfranchised. Homelessness is on the rise, right? The housing market is going through the roof, right? It's harder and harder for people to get into homes. Uh, there are the, the, you, you just have to go and talk to the, the, the food banks and all those places. They are doing more and more and more and more. More and more people need their services. People who didn't used to need their services. We are, it's a tough time out there. It really is. And we can pray for those people. We can pray for industry, for business, for more uh, of that entrepreneurial spirit in our city. The, it, it, you know, I'm not going to get into a whole big thing about economics, but there's, there's a need for us as a country to move away from resource-hungry industries to ones that are exportable uh, without having to invest lots of um, you know, energy, getting it to where, getting it to, out of the ground, or or or, f or whatever that means, and then getting it to where it needs to go. And Wellington has such a reputation for being entrepreneurial. So we can pray for that. We can pray for new businesses, for Christian businesses, for, for pray for people who are Christians who are in business that they'll be successful. For education, we have two universities here and a whole bunch of, um, or two major universities here, and a whole bunch of other ones, a whole bunch of learning institutions, schools. Man, it's a tough time to be a student right now. Right? Whatever, whatever educational institution you're in, it's, it's, it's hard going. And, and for the teachers, and the lecturers, and all of that, it's tough for them too. And most importantly, pray for the lost. Pray for those who are hungry for hope. Pray for eyes to see and ears to hear. So, when I think about this in particular, um, so what I'm going to do is, uh, James shared a little while ago that on, on Saturdays, we're going to have, a, once a month, we're going to have a time of prayer. And what I want to do with that time of prayer is I want to pray for the city, for a particular part of the city. So, if the weather's good, we will be at that place praying, so if... if it might just be me, it might be me and Natalia, it might be whoever, but who, anyone's welcome to come. It'll be at nine o'clock. So the first place that we're going to go is Stellan Memorial Park, which is up in Northland. And the reason to go there is because it looks out over the entrance to Wellington. So it looks out over the Parliament, looks out over the port. So we can pray for that. So you don't, 
the, the reason I want to share this is because actually during the month, you can pray for these things. You don't have to come and meet us up on the hill, but let's pray together for our city, for the entrance to the city. Let's welcome God in. I think there's a, you know, being located here as a church, it's, we're kind of at the gates. So let's, let's pray that God would be welcomed into our city. We have the uh, honor of being his servants here, so let's invite him in. We can pray for the government, for the port. Then, uh, so that will be on whatever the first Saturday in March is. I should have got dates, shouldn't I? Um, and then we're going to go up Mount Vic. I think it's a good thing to pray in the high places and pray that, that you get such a vista of the whole city, you know, in Hut City and, and out, right? And we can pray over the whole city. Uh, and then the next one, so that would be the, the one after, then Cuba Street at the Bucket Fountain. And I think one of the things when I, when I go to Cuba Street, you know, that it's one of the places you see all sorts of different cultures, right? Not just uh, like different people groups, but different cultures as in terms of um, uh, different ways of living. And so we can pray for the different cultures. We can pray for the, the arts in the city. We can pray for the LGBTQI community. We can pray that God's kingdom would come in that place. Kelvin campus, let's pray for the universities of the city. One of the things that, that really, uh, so I became a Christian at university, not because of anything the university was doing, but because of something God was doing. And I remember being there as an atheist and celebrating the way and enjoying the way that um, basically Christians got bagged by various people. And then becoming a Christian in that same environment and then going, hang on, this is wrong. There's an abuse of power going on here. And so I've got this really stark contrast for me where I can see the darkness to light in that place. And they're a place of learning and a place of knowledge, but they're also a place of faith. And that um, our young people would go there and find God. Uh, then the next one would be at Courtney Place. So I'll, I'll get this all sent out. Uh, we can pray for, for our businesses in our city, for innovation, for uh, the hospitality industry, which is really struggling at the moment. We can pray for workers and uh, people in the city. Uh, then the next one would be at Parliament. Uh, hopefully it'll be a bit quieter by then. But we, we, so Timothy commands us to pray for, or tells us to Sorry, Paul, in his letter to Timothy, tells us to pray for the, for the rulers. In Romans, 1, Romans 13, 1, it talks about us um, living under the authorities. So we can pray for them, right? We can pray. There is no government that Jesus has not appointed. So we need to pray for them. We re they really need our prayer for wisdom, for peace, for uh, grace, that they would be uh, the best governors that they can be. Regardless of the party that's there, regardless of who is appointed into those positions, we can pray for them. And then the, the next place I thought of was we, uh, Natalia and I came down here on, was it a couple of Saturdays ago, because it was so, the weather was so bad, we didn't go and pray in the Civic Square. 
so it would be good to go and pray back in the Civic Square for the, the sort of the heart of the city. And if you think about the spiritual implications, right now, the place that we would have we kind of think of as the heart of the city, the Civic Square, where there's the library and the art gallery and the, the town hall, it's all been torn out. There's no life there at the moment because it's all being earthquake strengthened and so there's something to pray for there, for, for the heart of our city, that it would be brought to life in the kingdom. And if you want something specific things to pray for, pray for wisdom and peace. God is the giver of good, good gifts. And he gives generously to all people. He does give people wisdom, whether they know him or not. And he gives people peace, whether they know him or not. We can be avenues, conduits, to quote Marty, of, those, of that wisdom and peace for people. But in prosperity for our city, it's getting hard out there, and people are struggling. Psalm 65, 9 to 11. Just let me find it. I should have put bookmarks in my Bible. Maybe that's something I can do for the next service. Uh, 65, 9 to 11. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide people with grain, for, for, you, for so you have ordained it. You drench the furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty, your carts with overflow and abundance. Let's pray for that, for our city. And the last thing, just it, so on a slightly different tangent, I really feel like um, the gift that God wants to share with us today is peace. I, mean, you know, I talk about being hope bearers, but we can also be a peaceful presence in times of crisis. There's, a, there's this idea uh, that I was reading about uh, in some counselling where the counsellor is the unanxious presence. And I think we have an opportunity to be that unanxious presence, whether it's at school, at work, at home, in the street. We need God's power and wisdom and peace to do that. But I wanted to finish with Isaiah 9. Because we, we don't walk into this in our own strength. We don't walk out there into the world in our own kind of self-sufficiency. We, we have Jesus. And he has done it. He has won it. For to us a child is born... To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called once Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end, and he will reign on David's throne over the kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So... 
Let's pray for his kingdom to come, for his government. And let's go as, as the agents of his kingdom. So if you stand with me, I'd just like to pray quickly and then we'll wrap up. If you'd like prayer um, for peace or for anything else, healing or anything that's going on with you, I would love to pray with you. Um, but I'll just pray quickly and wrap up and we can go from there. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. That you are the child that was born to us and that the government is on your shoulders and you are mighty counsellor, wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. I thank you that we worship you, Lord, the living God, the creator and maker of everything, who is sovereign and who is over all. You know what's going on, Lord. You know what's going on in our hearts, in our minds, in our world. And you are with us. And you are for us. Oh, Father God, I pray this week that we would know your presence. And that your peace that transcends understanding would, be, would rise up in us like a spring bubbling forth. And that the waters of, those peace would, of that peace would overflow out into the world around us, that we would be that unanxious presence, that peaceful presence wherever we are, whatever we're doing. Thank you, Lord, that we can come before you, before your throne, with confidence for the grace and the mercy we need for whatever's going on in our lives. So we stand on your promises, Jesus, and we ask that your kingdom come here as it is in heaven. In your precious name, amen.